In today's show, I'll be breaking down the latest Bitcoin technical analysis. I'll also be sharing the five things to watch out for in the Bitcoin market this week. We'll also be discussing Bitcoin rent agreements as landlord and tenant sign the first Bitcoin contract. We'll also be discussing BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager, dropping the ultimate boomer Bitcoin ETF ad as their market in blitz continues to ramp up. We'll also be discussing the latest prediction from Max Kaiser of $220,000 in play. We'll also be discussing a massive prediction coming from one of the largest asset managers in the world, which is Fidelity. In fact, we'll be discussing can Bitcoin realistically achieve their $1 billion Bitcoin price target? I'll be breaking down this timeline. We'll also be taking a look at the overall crypto market. All this plus so much more in today's show. Yo, what's good, crypto fam? This is first and foremost a video show. So if you want the full premium experience with video, visit my YouTube channel at CryptoNewsAlerts.net. Again, that's CryptoNewsAlerts.net. But let's kick it off with our market watch as we do each and every day. As you can see here on your screen, we got Bitcoin back above 43,100. We have Ether trading above 2,500, while BNB XRP Solana and Cardano all back in the green. They say when in doubt, just zoom out. And zooming out on the monthly, we can see Bitcoin still up almost 3%, Ether up 14%, BNB up 30%, and Solana up 33%. And checking out coinmarketcap.com, the current crypto market cap sits at 1.67 trillion. We're experiencing extreme volatility. It goes up, it goes down. Enjoy the roller coaster. We have roughly 59 billion in volume for the past 24 hours. And uh, yeah, that means it's up 37%. And the Bitcoin dominance is still on the decline at 49.7% with the Ether dominance continuing to climb at 18.1%. How high do you think this Bitcoin dominance is likely to climb for this bull cycle for 2024, 2025? Let me know your thoughts, family. It'll be interesting to read those out loud. And checking out the top 100 crypto gainers of the past 24 hours, we got Flare leading the pack up 30%, followed by Blur up 13%, followed by SUI up 11%. Below that, Beam, Say, Chili's, and Tezos. Now, which altcoins are you most bullish on for this bull run? Please do let me know in the comments right down below. And checking out the crypto bubbles to get a visual perspective of the overall crypto market. We got a lot of gainers, the majority back in the green as the market cap continues pumping. Some of the top are P. PLS up 24%, HEX up 17%, Blur 14%, and SEI up 10%. And zooming out on the monthly, massive gainers, some up over 100%, including HEX, PLS, SEI, ENS, and SUI. So there you have it, my crypto fam. And checking out the Crypto Greed and Fear Index, we're finally back in neutral. We were in greed, and I even think we touched uh, extreme greed uh, not too long ago, but we're back at a 52 neutral. Yesterday, a 60, last week a 71, and last month, a 67 in greed. So there you have it, my crypto fam. What's good? And if you're just tuning into the stream, be sure to pump the likes, help pump the stream. We're gonna dive into our next story of the day, discuss some Bitcoin technical analysis, check out the charts where the Bitcoin price action is likely to go next. So how you, you see it here, Bitcoin defense key price level six times is 44,000 next. Shout out to all my uh, Bitcoin Jedis out there rocking the lightsabers as well. You know what I mean? Bitcoin price experienced moderate volatility the night of January 14th as the price plunged to 41,690, paring 3% in the early hours of January 15th. But more interestingly, this was the sixth time that 41.8 support was tested in less than a month. Traders now question 
recession if the latest movement is a sign of strength and what the drivers for a potential rally above 44,000 can be. Let's break it down. Some analysts attribute the price of Bitcoin's 9.1% correction on January 12th to the Bitcoin miner outflows. As CryptoQuant reported, nearly $1 billion worth of Bitcoin sent to the exchanges, which is now a six-year high. Investors fear that the Bitcoin hash rate, which has increased by 44% in the past six months, will force the miners to sell coins at a much higher pace, including their hodling position. Now, digital asset manager CoinShares predicts the average Bitcoin mining costs after the April 2024 halving will surge to 37800 CoinShares report encompasses 19% of the current Bitcoin mining hash power and estimates that only five out of the 14 companies under analysis will remain profitable after the halving. In essence, traders have reason to believe the Bitcoin miners' outflows to exchange should continue. Now, Bitcoin price is relatively flat in the 30 days ending January 15th, meaning the spot Bitcoin ETF debut on January 11th had little impact, at least on the longer time frame. That's right. Short term, we saw mad volatility. I mean, we did touch roughly 49,000, which is the new 22-month high. And then we collapsed to the 41 range shortly after. And now we're climbing back up at roughly 43,000 at the time of the live stream. Now, curiously, both the S&P 500 futures and the gold price in the U.S. dollar are up a half a percent in that same period. And in fact, Bitcoin's 50-day correlation to the U.S. stock market in gold has been high for the past month. Notice how Bitcoin's price 50-day correlation versus gold has been above 65% since November and above 75% relative to the S&P 500 futures for the past three weeks. Those numbers drastically vary over time, but the latest data signal that the macro macroeconomic drivers affected traditional assets in Bitcoin is in a similar way. For instance, Germany, Europe's largest economy announced January 15th today an adjusted 0.1% gross domestic product contraction in 2023 versus the previous year. And more concerningly, Germany's economy ministry mentioned on January 15th that the current early indicators do not signal a quick economic recovery. And they announced that to Reuters. In the U.S. inflation, it remains the biggest source of concern for the CPI index, which grew 3.4% in November. And according to Rubila, the chief economist at High Frequency Economics. These readings support the U.S. Fed's view that the policy stance should remain restrictive for some time. Let me know if you agree or disagree with that. So in short, investors realize that it might take longer than anticipated for the central banks to effectively reduce interest rates, causing investors to favor fixed income investments. And on one side, there's a prospect of the U.S. issuing trillion-dollar stimulus packages due to its budget constraint. But on the other, the inflationary pressure limits the central bank's ability to lower the interest rates. Now let's discuss Bitcoin futures data, no longer bullish. To understand whether Bitcoin investors have flipped bearish, one should analyze the Bitcoin futures premium, also known as the basis rate. Professional traders prefer to monthly contracts due to the absence of a funding rate. In neutral markets, these instruments trade at a premium of 5 to 10% to account for their extended settlement period. And here in this chart, you can see the Bitcoin two-month futures annualized premium. Now, data reveals that the Bitcoin futures premium stabilized at 9% under the neutral threshold, as opposed to the bullish momentum that lasted until January 12th. Now, while far from a bearish structure, which would require an annualized premium below 5%, it becomes evident that Bitcoin investors are no longer expecting its price to jump 
in the short term. One might never find out what exactly triggered the correction of 41.690, and it might as well be related to BlackRock CEO Larry Fink calling the spot Bitcoin ETF a mere stepping stone to tokenization of real-world assets, which is definitely not beneficial for the Bitcoin price in the short term. Fink also recently commented on Bitcoin that, I don't believe it's ever going to be a currency. I believe it is an asset class. Now, me personally, I don't believe that's why we dumped. I think there's more sinister stuff going on behind the scenes, which we're going to dive into a little bit in the show. But I also want to read you this. When in doubt, zoom out. Adam Back shares here. Bitcoin chart looks pretty good. Zoomed out a bit. Preach. Let's not forget, family. November of 2021, I believe it was on the 10th, we hit the 69,000 current all-time high. You know, Bitcoin may have touched the bottom of roughly 15,700. But guess what? We're making our way back and we're still above 43,000 and we're still up roughly 160% from the start of last year. So never forget that family. When in doubt, just zoom out. And as Plan B shares here, creator of the Bitcoin stock, the flow model, Bitcoin is on track despite the ETF sell the news event. And if you're not familiar with the stock, the flow, it ultimately predicts a gap of Bitcoin ranging between 100,000 and a million dollars per coin between 2024, the halving date, which is in April, three months out, and 2028. Let me know if you agree or disagree with the stock to flow model. Let's uh, discuss the five things to watch out for in the Bitcoin market this week, shall we? Here we go. And maybe I'll skip through some things. This is typically a very lengthy piece, but we'll just touch upon the headlines. Bearish Bitcoin price targets faster post ETF dip. We kind of already discussed. We can potentially see back to 38,000 as a bottom or the bottom may already be in and we may continue climbing back up, surpassing 44 with 50 being the next major psychological resistance. Uh, quoting an analyst here, these are all early signs that the bulls are positioning for another retest of resistance, watching the weekly close for more clues. Skoo Analytics points out on the one hour chart, nice bounce thus far, looking for further confirmations, confirmations for a rally higher, reclaim the consolidation lows, 42.5 RSI, relative strength index above 50, trade yearly open as Support. On the four hour, we got the 200 EMA reclaim. So there you have it. And uh, Matthew Highland shares Bitcoin looking like a lower path is more likely after testing the 48,000 area. Still a chance to rebound here, however, but the odds are favoring the mid 30s currently. So let me know if you feel likely to correct a little lower or continue pumping back. The next factor to keep your eyes out on this week, the market see Fed cuts in March, despite the CPI overshoot, which we kind of already touched upon. Uh, quoting the Kabisi letter, there it is, folks. Markets are now expecting a rate cut at every meeting in 2024, beginning in March. That's right. Seven straight interest rate cuts this year, as pointed out here, to bring the Fed funds rate down to three and a half to three and a uh, three and a 3.75% in December and continuing on. Meanwhile, the Fed's latest guidance showed three cuts in 2024 and officials are questioning if March is too soon to start. Buckle up because it's going to be a wild year. Let me know if you agree or disagree with that sentiment. And uh, the next factor to keep your eyes out on this week, Bitcoin speculators panic sell nearly five excuse me, billion dollars in a single day. That's right. For many, ETF week ultimately became a week of selling 
not buying. Despite institutions finally having a chance to add Bitcoin exposure, the price action showed the psychological impact of volatility in classic style. The 50,000 mark was too much for the bulls, with the whales lining up to distribute to the latecomers, while the reversal towards 40,000 saw significant panic. This was evident in the proportion of Bitcoin being sold for less than it was purchased. According to data from Glassnode on January 12th, this reached 88,000 BTC, worth almost $4 billion. Quoting them here, that is mental, said James Van Stratton, research and data analyst of Crypto Slate, reporting, noting that the total sales amounted to 111,000 BTC, worth roughly $4.7 billion. Now, here in the chart, you can see the Bitcoin transfers from the short-term hodlers and losses to the exchanges. So those are the losers. The short term, you know what I mean, are not the smartest. I like to follow the whales and the smart money because hence why they're the smart money. The sales nonetheless came from the short-term hodlers, entities hodling a given Bitcoin investment up for 155 days. The ETF announcement, it would seem, had speculators reason to buy, hoping that the further upside would result. Glassnode shows that by contrast, long-term hodlers barely reacted to the events. That's what's up, because that's what long-term hodlers do. We're in this for the long haul. So where my diamonds hands at, make some noise. Next factor to keep your eyes out on this week in the Bitcoin market, Bitcoin miners may not see a difficulty drop based on the recent price action. It may thus seem unlikely that Bitcoin would be due yet for another difficulty increase. Estimates, however, say the opposite. At 42.5, Bitcoin mining difficulty is still slated to edge higher by 0.35% this week, according to data from BTC.com. And the most is impressive, the move, miners weathered the ETF volatility storm as competition for block subsidies remain extremely robust. And let's not forget, again, we have a Bitcoin happening occurring in three months. Uh, quoting Glassnode, Bitcoin fees have now been cut in half from the December high, now sit at the high during the inscription frenzy made back in May. Now, Van Stratton noted that will be interesting to see where this levels out and will have an impact on miners moving forward into the halving. Now for the next factor, we're going to keep our eyes on this week. Ethereum may be next to return to Earth. <laughs> As Bitcoin suffered post-ETF, it was the largest altcoin Ether, which picked up the slack. ETH BTC made swift gains late last week, while ETH USD reached its highest level since mid-2022. That's right. Even at the time of this stream, uh, ETH is still trading above $2,500, which is a price action we ultimately haven't seen in almost two years. However, some are sounding the alarm as open interest has mushroomed. Someone say shrooms. Uh, the speculative ETH bets may soon become too much to handle. Uh, quoting them here, there is still a looming sword of Damocles, I don't know that word, over the Ethereum market in the form of $1.35 in the fresh open interest, according to CryptoQuant. Van Stratton, meanwhile, noted a rotation of open interest uh, from Bitcoin towards Ether, leaving the CME group Bitcoin futures in a backwardation below the spot price. This, he suggests, was due to the excitement over a possible Ethereum ETF, thanks to recent comments from BlackRock CEO Larry Fink. Quoting them here, open interest in the CME is down 13% from the highs, while Ethereum open interest is up 14%. This could ultimately be a buy signal for Bitcoin. What are your thoughts, fam? Let me know in the comments. 
right down below. But anyways, family, we still got a lot to cover. So keep the stream pumping by pumping the likes and comment. We appreciate all the interaction, but let's dive into Bitcoin rent going on. Uh, this is a breaking story. Bitcoin rent agreement, landlord and tenant sign a Bitcoin contract. And I'm curious, if you were a landlord, would you accept Bitcoin for rent and vice versa? If you were renting and uh, yeah, would you want to pay for your rent in Bitcoin? Let me know. Because in Rosario, the third most populated city in Argentina, a local landlord and a tenant have sealed a rental agreement where the latter will pay monthly rent in Bitcoin. And according to a report in the local newspaper from January 11th, the contract is the first of its kind in Argentina, made possible by recent law amendments by the new presidential administration. Shout out Javier Malay. The monthly payment under the sealed contract will equal $100 in Bitcoin. The tenant will transfer the funds monthly through Feewind, a local crypto platform. The report highlights that both counterparties to the contract are experienced crypto users. That makes it even cooler. Argentine rental law, along with other parts of the national legal system, were amended by the newly elected President Javier Malay, who won the general election November of last year amid rampant inflation across the country. Now, in December uh, last month, Diana Mondino, the Minister of Foreign Affairs, International Trade and Worship, claimed that a decree aimed at economic reform to deregulization would allow the use of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies in the country under certain conditions and how this was birthed. The government also eased the path to legalizing crypto holdings, even if they're overdue on tax declarations. So under the framework of a regularization scheme, taxpayers would pay a flat tax on assets of 5% if they declare holdings by the end of March 2024, 10% from April and 15% from July until the end of September. So there you have it. But let's dive into our next story of the day, discuss the latest with BlackRock and Larry Fink. Here we go. Headline reads, BlackRock drops their boomer Bitcoin ETF ad as marketing blitz ramps up. Let me know if you saw this two-minute boomer ad. In my opinion, it's the worst yet. But then again, they're speaking to the boomers. We reacted to it live uh, on yesterday's Rumble Reacts session. So if you missed it, you can check it out later. BlackRock may have gone with the boring ad campaign for its spot Bitcoin ETF, but it may just be the secret sauce for the wealthy boomer market, according to commentators. January 11th, investment giant BlackRock released its first video ad for its newly launched iShares Bitcoin Trust, iBit. The ad consists of almost two-minute video featuring a BlackRock executive almost sounded like AI to me, almost looked like someone who wasn't real, outlining Bitcoin's value proposition and how investors can receive exposure to the new ETF. Let me know your feedback on the ad. Now, Jay Jacobs, BlackRock's U.S. head of thematics and alternative ETFs, states in the ad that iBit is easily accessible, conveniently removes operational burdens, and is issued under BlackRock's reputation and expertise in the ETF space. Commentators notice an intentional lack of flair and crypto jargon compared to the other Bitcoin ETF ads, as shared here. Amazing ads from the BlackRock on iBit, the BlackRock Bitcoin spot ETF, definitely a new market of investors, is reached through iBit. This is how you market to rich boomers, folks. The calm disposition easy to understand case, soft new age music, suit with no tie. Everything about it says it's okay now. And the adults 
are here. I find that hilarious. Anyways, Chris Dark, founder and managing partner of Fourth Turning Investments, referred to the advertisement as boring but brilliant because it's apparent effectiveness in targeting the boomers. Uh, quoting him here, my God, this is a great boomer ad for BlackRock Bitcoin ETF. Absolutely everything that will drive the Bitcoin max is insane. The ad is so boring. It's brilliant for the intended audience. That's right, because when we did the React session to it yesterday, everyone said the ad sucked and was boring. So naturally it was boring and it sucked, but it appeals to the baby boomers. Uh, quoting, Fred Krueger here, my generation of wealthy boomers doesn't particularly like tattoo covered Gen Xers telling them that the entire financial system needs to be scrapped, but they're happy now that they can invest in Bitcoin via traditional finance firms. Quitting them here. We are happy adding iBit and FBTC to our portfolios because we trust BlackRock and Fidelity. <coughs> this is a Wall Street takeover of a Bitcoin narrative. Resistance will be futile. The Bitcoin ETF marketing war has been heating up. Since the first ad dropped from Bitwise December 18th with the most interesting man in the world, ETF issuers Hashtag and Van Act released soon after. And then we had just recently ARK Invest and Grayscale released new advertising campaigns. We reacted to all of them exclusively on the Rumble channel family. If you missed it, you can check it out later. So Marty Party shares here. Brrr. Valkyrie funds Bitcoin ETF ad live on the NASDAQ exchange billboard in New Times Square or in New York City. So let's freaking go. Meanwhile, several ETF issuers, including Van Eck, Invesco, Galaxy, Franklin, Templeton, have featured the new Bitcoin ETFs on their homepages, while BlackRock and Fidelity Investments have reportedly done similar. So there you have it. Even Franklin Templeton, their new uh, profile image on X is actually laser eyes of Benjamin Franklin, which is actually quite hilarious. Now check this out. Uh, quoting Gaber Gerbax, the Vanguard group owns 8.2% of MicroStrategy, the second largest of all the holders. Somehow they find issues with Bitcoin ETFs. What this tells you is worse than Vanguard not liking Bitcoin. It tells you they're either liars, charlatans who haven't done their research, or both. Preach. Numbers don't lie. Here are the top holders and owners of MicroStrategy. Vanguard is number two at 1.1 million shares, meaning they own 8.24%. Capital International Investors has 1.5 million shares and owns 11%, followed by BlackRock at the number three spot with 906,000 shares owning 6.63%. So let that sink in. Crypto fam, I tell you, you can't listen to what these mofos say. They'll lie to your face. They're experts at deception. So that's why you got to watch what these mofos do. Anyways, family, we still got a lot to cover. Let's dive into our next story of the day. We're going to discuss this 220000 price target from Max Kaiser, along with the latest mainstream FUD, which is going viral. And then we'll break down. I meant to switch it from $1 million prediction to $1 because we're going to be discussing realistically a $1 billion uh, Bitcoin price prediction from Fidelity. But here's the latest of what's going on. Here's the headline. Bitcoin to 220000 Max Kaiser expects a price surge as Bitcoin sees a big new attack. So let's uh, break this down. Now, Max also says this guy, who is the Vanguard CEO, Tim Buckley, uh, delayed Bitcoin hitting 50,000 post ETS by two weeks. So let's not forget, we're still heading towards our target of 50,000. Just a small delay, thanks to the FUD coming out of Vanguard. 
who uh, no love, no trust, no respect for this guy. If you're investing with Vanguard, I would look at moving your funds to another asset manager that actually supports uh, BTC. Now here's, I don't even know this lady's name, Samantha LaDuc, LaDuck, whatever you wanna call her, but she had been spreading FUD. She wrote, here's my attempt to summarize key disagreements between TradeFi and Bitcoiners. There is no premium and scarcity just because it's limited, but this is the major claim that has been offered up by the Bitcoiners in both the respectful and disrespectful rebuttals in my busy feed for the past 24 hours. TradeFi gets that value is not just a sign, but just something is scarce. We assign even less value in Bitcoin given all the concentration risks of ownership, corrupt actors, Russia, China, charlatans, crime, and confiscations. But here's where TradeFi folks really align. Bitcoin is not money. Beyond the core monetary commodity, circulation attributes of money, actual money, has to be measured in relation to, demanded in kind of commodity or currency or asset. And it has to be forced on us by the government, an example, taxes and local FX. So why would we uh, TradeFi folks and mass trade in-kind real assets for Bitcoin, other than the disposable money because of Bitcoin's speculative properties. Bitcoin is a convertible currency with an equivalent value in real currency. The state does not force or enforce Bitcoin as a real currency, so it is not money. So we can trade it, transact with it where we can, but it is too much risk for the reward for those who have money. For those who need it, I agree. It is a powerful, effective payment system. Does that sound elitist or just realist? Speaking from a TradeFi perspective, Bitcoin is a great little alt investment to diversify returns from equities or otherwise. Real estate, real commodities, even cash that earns interest, etc. But the main reason most TradeFi types have no interest in it because they don't need or trust get-rich schemes. And they know with these real power and money, how to take yours away. Sadly, if I was a betting woman, <laughs> I wouldn't say this. I'm sorry, I would say this to their tool to use against you, Bitcoin ETFs. I'm sorry, it's not fair, they suck. I am not being a fascist. Uh, facious. Uh, maybe you will change the game by changing the players or the pieces, but until then, Bitcoin does not meet the definition of money. Regardless of the Bitcoin gospel writers have changed the definition of money or intrinsic value or ascribe Bitcoin with the characteristics of money, value, trust, scarcity, whatever. Bitcoin is rogue money. Damn right it's rogue money, which is on the opposite spectrum to sound money. Rogue money has a purpose, but not transformational power unless you change the state and get it to literally force upon us. In the meantime, Bitcoiners feel free to treat crypto assets as a cause with a religion, but don't disrespect those who don't share your beliefs. Hashtag TradeFi. We can survive and thrive together. It's not all or nothing, but do start, uh, study the strengths and weaknesses of your new weapon of change. For example, I can call my USD monopoly money because it can be printed, devalued, debased, de-dollarized, but it is still the tool that enables all the other tools and 100% is monopoly money. Fake. I hope Bitcoin sticks around and grows more popular, but in its current form to most in TradeFi, it is the opposite of sound money, especially if it trades cult-like behavior to make it grow. It needs to state to force, or it needs the state to force it to use on everyone. That's what makes it money. And what are the Vegas odds for that? Especially since you disdain the state and the state disdains your rogueness. Final word. There are many here in TradeFi who don't dismiss you, but that doesn't mean we will ever convert to your gospel of Bitcoin or worship terms most you don't understand, like debasement. Seriously, how many of you ever knew this term existed before jumping on the Bitcoin train? Warning, this one term has become the calling card for enabling this cult-like separateness. Your rogueness 
is cool, but wishing and promoting bad things on your state is a really bad investment framework. To do so, you just separate yourselves from even farther away from the people in politics that will continue to label you and your money as rogue. Whoa. So Caitlin responded, Caitlin Long, oh boy, no progress, so many fallacies in what you just wrote. I wish you well. Robert Breedlove, imagine thinking that the defining characteristic of money is that the state must force its use upon users. Then on the basis, imagine how you can possibly explain how gold has persisted as money for over 5,000 years, despite us never being forced on anyone, its use. Finally, imagine how you can possibly justify the use and force in the sphere of money, which is a tool for consensual exchange, like words and talking or actions and dating. You might as well say something as self-refuting as, well, it's not really a conversation unless someone forces you to participate, or well, it's not really consensual sex unless sex is forced upon you. Now, clearly, uh, he makes some fantastic points. So what are your thoughts regarding this FUD? And it goes on and on and on. I'm not going to read you any more from her because it's a bunch of BS um, at the end of the day. Uh, Samson responded, no wonder MSM uh, takes are always wrong, 100%. And I think Max responded with a great post and he tagged her and wrote, the state does not force or enforce Bitcoin as a real currency, so it is not money. My take, money existed before the state. Bitcoin separates money from state. Bitcoin will kill the state. Preach. The proof is El Salvador making Bitcoin legal tenders, reinventing the state and creating a masterpiece of governance. Very well said. And then someone asked him 220,000 when? And Max said, now, what universe are you? So there you have it. And I'm actually going to dive a little deeper into this because it was actually quite uh, interesting. So yeah, we discussed this lady, LaDuke, or I'm going to call her LaDuck because, you know, if it looks like a duck, sounds like a duck, it's probably a duck, stating that it's rogue money and there's no premium and scarcity for Bitcoin. That's right. She also puts down the scarcity with a really idiotic point. The newly born Bitcoin critic, LaDuck, agreed that Bitcoin is convertible currency with an equivalent value in real currency, stressing that real currency, in her view, is not Bitcoin, but fiat, the monopoly money, to which Bitcoin can be exchanged at at any time. Now, the main attribute of money per that is that it has to be forced or enforced on users by the government. However, according to her, the state does not force or enforce Bitcoin as a real currency, so therefore, it is not money. She admits that Bitcoin can be traded and transacted, but she insists that Bitcoin is not money, except for those who does not have access to real money. Ho, ho, ho. For those who need it, I agree. It is powerful, effective payment system. Then she added that Bitcoin is rogue money. So she just like shoots herself in the foot. It makes no sense. Which is the opposite spectrum of sound money, and it does not meet the definition of money. So, of course, Bitcoiners have responded which I just pointed out to you. Here's a great uh, feedback from Samson Mao. Serious question. If one year is measured in units of days and there are over 365 days and you can even divide them into minutes and seconds, how can they claim that time is valuable and that it only has a limited amount of it? Yeah, that's right, because she made some stupid argument and I'm not even, I don't have it in front of me, but she claims something like, well, one Bitcoin can be divided into 100 million Satoshis, so therefore Bitcoin is not scarce. And like, for real, for real, you can't even make this stuff up. There's no logic or you know reasoning. But anyways, just another mainstream fudster, in my humble opinion. But what are your thoughts with Miss LaDuck? Let me know in the comments right down below. Let's now dive into our featured story of the day and discuss this bullish prediction coming from the third largest asset manager in the world, which is Fidelity. They made this prediction that Bitcoin is likely to reach $1 billion per coin. 
But I'm going to break down the timeline and all of this information. Here's the headline. Can Bitcoin achieve Fidelity's $1 billion prediction by 2038? What's your thoughts, fam? Let me know. Here we go. Fidelity's prediction for Bitcoin. We have Jurian Timmer, the director of global macro at the $4.5 trillion asset management giant, put forth the notion that Bitcoin has the potential to reach a value of $1 billion per coin in roughly two decades, which is now, I think, 14 more years from now, from the time he says 2038. Yep, 14 more years, fam. Specifically around the year 2038. And to support the forecast, Timmer employed a combination models and charts with a particular focus on the stock to flow and his own demand model. These analytical tools form the foundation of his primary prediction. And here you can see the Bitcoin supply and demand models. Now, the above demand model employs Metcalfe's law. And according to this, the number of its users grows linearly. A network's value or by interference of the Bitcoin price grows geometrically. This means that the utility and the adoption of Bitcoin are expected to grow more rapidly compared to its network of users, exchanges, ATMs, and participating retailers. Therefore, this model predicted that Bitcoin will reach 1 million per coin by 2030, which is pretty much in alignment with ARK Invest CEO, Kathy Wood. She says Bitcoin can reach a base case of 600,000 per coin or one to one and a half million in her bullish case, which we have covered here in the pod. Now, in contrast, Timmer's stock, the flow supply model notes the event of significant price surges during each having event. Consequently, when considering this model in conjunction with other factors, it foresees a price range of 1 million to 10 million per coin for Bitcoin by the year 2030, so even more bullish than the stock to flow. Timmer's demand model is more inclined towards reflecting the bottom of the Bitcoin price action. On the other hand, the stock to flow model seems to provide a better approximation for the peak of the king coin. However, it's worth noting that the disparity between these two models widens significantly beyond the year 2030. That's when things get interesting. The reason behind this gap is expected to be the changing value of the dollar. Precisely. So how changes in the dollar value could influence Bitcoin? Let's discuss it. Timmer proposes that the value of the dollar undergoes fluctuations over time when compared to other assets. For instance, if $1 was invested in stocks during the 18th century, its present day value would be almost $4 billion. Similarly, Timmer applied that if just $1 million is invested today, it can grow to $1 billion in a span of 20 years. Can you say hyperinflation? This further revealed that the purchasing power of the dollar has significantly reduced due to factors like inflation and depreciation. Thus, Timmer's statement implied that keeping a fixed amount of dollars for many years may lead to reduced purchasing power due to the assets changing value. Now, over the last few years, an increasing number of companies are taken over the $1 trillion market cap. In fact, Bitcoin's now on the cusp of reclaiming that $1 trillion market cap, surpassing companies like Berkshire Hathaway, Meta, etc. As a result, it's foreseeable that in 20 years, the concept of a trillion-dollar valuation will become more common, so much that individuals themselves could be worth a trillion or more. The scale of numbers may even reach quadrillion range. That's right. Run the math. Anyone holding 1 million Bitcoin, when Bitcoin hits a million per coin, they're going to become the first trillionaire. So hypothetically speaking, Satoshi holds 1.1 million in his wallets. So Satoshi will be a trillionaire. If Bitcoin, or I should say if Max Kaiser is really holding on to a million Bitcoin as some claim, then Max 
may become a trillionaire. MicroStrategy's goal is to hold a million Bitcoin. They're currently sitting on 200,000 Bitcoin. If they can reach their goal, then MicroStrategy be worth over a trillion dollars. And you already know, Michael Saylor's loving it. So is this milestone still achievable for Bitcoin? Let's discuss it. Despite Bitcoin's historical growth, it has recently faced significant setbacks. Bitcoin's network activity has diminished and it has fallen behind in comparison to Cardano Network, for example, the number of active addresses in the Bitcoin market experienced a notable decline when compared to the levels seen in 2021. However, over the past couple of years, the addresses have been climbing in the Bitcoin network, reaching new all-time highs, important to point out. Hyper-network activity, like increased transaction volume or active addresses, is viewed as a positive indicator of the growing adoption of Bitcoin, which continues to grow. Now, what are your thoughts on Timmer's $1 billion Bitcoin price prediction by the year 2038? Let me know in the comments right down below. Personally, I do feel the dollar will eventually say adios, amigos. I am out and go to zero against Bitcoin. But clearly, they're going to replace the US dollar with CBDCs, which we all see coming down the pipeline. By what year will this be rolled out across the world? I don't know, but it's already in the pilot stages in many countries. It's already rolled out in China and other places of the world. I do know they're planning on using XRP, which is a bridge currency, to implement their CBDCs. So do you think CBDCs will take over potentially by the year 2025? Or do you think they'll need many more years to get this in the pipeline? How do you think the adoption will be worldwide? Do you think people will want to do this and not know any better? Or do you think they'll be enlightened by then and say, hey, no thank you, CBDC. I'll stick with my BTC and my self-custody. Because think of it this way. Who wants programmable money with an expiration date? So for example, here's your stimulus. You have six months to spend it. And if you don't, it goes to zero. Oh yeah. And if your social credit score is below XYZ score level, you're not going to be able to travel. You can only spend it on this, that, or that. And guess what? You're not allowed to buy Bitcoin with our CBDC. They can program all of that. So if you don't trust the dollar, you should not trust the CBDC because it's taken it to a whole new level of control and tyranny at the end of the day. So yes, the dollar will hyperinflate. There's no telling what Bitcoin's value will be in the year 2038. That's 14 years from now. It all depends upon the status of the dollar. So theoretically, he is right. Can Bitcoin really hit a billion dollars per coin? Yes, but there's going to be hyperinflation. So a billion dollars in the year 2038 may be like $10 million in today's money. So let that sink in. Let me know your thoughts. And I'm going to read some more of your comments out loud. And don't forget to check out CryptoNewsAlerts.net for the full premium experience with video and to participate in our live Q&A. And I look forward to seeing you on tomorrow's episode. HODL.